If you've ever watched the film The Lion King, uh, you'll know that in the opening sequence, all the animals uh, gather at Pride Rock, and uh, King Mufasa is there, his wife Sarabi, they just uh, had a son, and uh, Rafiki, the wise baboon, holds uh, Simba, their son, up for all the animals to see. Later on in the film, there's a stampede of wildebeest uh, that's been caused by uh, the king's evil brother, Scar, with the intention of killing uh, Mufasa and his heir, Simba. Well, Mufasa manages to save Simba, and uh, as he's climbing up this uh, cliff face, Scar appears at the top and... uh, leans over him, says some cruel words, and then digs his claws into Mufasa's paws. Mufasa falls uh, to his death. And Scar, at that point, thought that he had won, that he would be crowned king. And when Jesus died, I expect that Satan thought that he had won, that he could be king. There's a big difference between these two scenarios, apart from the fact that one's just a cartoon. Uh, When you watch the film The Lion King, as the viewer, you know that Simba is still alive. And so you hope that Simba will come back one day to claim the throne and take his rightful place as king. But when Jesus died, it wasn't a case of the king is dead, long live the king. Nor was it a case of the king is dead, let's hope that his heir will 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 come and, and claim the throne, as in the Lion King. It was simply a case of the king is dead. Full stop. And you might say, yeah, but uh, Jesus will be raised to new life on Sunday. But the disciples didn't know that, and neither did anyone else. Jesus had tried to tell them, but they hadn't understood. So when Jesus died... They didn't even have a glimmer of hope. As far as the disciples were concerned, Jesus' death was an irreversible tragedy. And it was a tragedy. How can human beings attempting to kill their loving and benevolent creator be anything less than a tragedy? It was a tragedy, just not an irreversible one. And how could Jesus, the man who was and is God, be succeeded or replaced? It's not like Peter could step up into the role. His death was a moment of profound grief and despair for the disciples. Mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, they were in a very dark place. All the scenes leading up to Jesus' death are shrouded in darkness. You remember Judas went out into the darkness of the night to betray Jesus. Jesus prayed in the darkness in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was arrested by torchlight. His phony trial was conducted at night, which was illegal under Jewish law. And from noon until three afternoon, darkness came upon all of the land. The Good Friday readings are dark and dreadful 
and sinister. And you'll notice that our Good Friday service is nowhere near as popular as our Easter Sunday service. A lot of people would rather not immerse themselves in the events of Good Friday. Ah, oh, it's a bit gloomy. It's not very uplifting. It feels a bit like a funeral. Well, it is a funeral. You can't get to the joy, the celebration, and the new life of Easter without the pain, the grief, and the death of Good Friday. You can't get to the resurrection without there being a funeral. Of course, there's only been one Good Friday in history that seemed utterly hopeless, and that was the first one. Ever since Jesus' resurrection, uh, Christians have passed through Good Friday with the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. So in one sense, this service might feel like a, a funeral, but it's also infused with hope, faith, confidence, and eager anticipation as we wait for Easter Sunday. And this is all true of the Christian life. We have received forgiveness and everlasting life because we died with Christ on Good Friday and we rose with him on Easter Sunday. So if you miss this service, it's a little bit like you're missing your own funeral. And many of us will say, well, actually, I'd quite like to miss my own funeral. <laughs> but don't speak too soon. Because without this funeral, there can be no resurrection. We must die to our old sinful nature in order to be raised to new life with Christ. We can't carry on as we are and expect to receive the benefits of Easter, the benefits of the resurrection. There's no shortcut to Easter. We have to go through Good Friday. Our old self must die in order for the new self to be raised. But let's just return for a moment to the first Good Fridays and the disciples' despair, sorrow, and heartbreak. Their world literally fell apart in front of them. I wonder, have you ever felt bitterly disappointed, grief-stricken, heartbroken? Maybe you felt alone, let down, abandoned by God. The disciples would have felt all of those things. And yet we know that their grief was turned to joy. Their despair was turned to hope. Their defeat was turned to victory. And this is the narrative of the Christian life. We're not guaranteed an easy life. The disciples didn't have an easy life. As Christians, we're not immune to sorrow, suffering, grief, hardship, and all the trials of life. But no, no matter what our circumstances, we always have the hope of the resurrection, resurrection life. And that means that we can live with meaning and purpose and confidence about the future. This is very, very good news. Even Jesus felt abandoned by God. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? That sounds like a hopeless cry. But there is hope even within those words. Jesus was quoting the opening line of Psalm 22, which begins with a cry for help and God doesn't seem to answer. But as the psalm goes on, we see that God does hear, God does answer, God does rescue, and God is worthy of praise. Listen to this extract. This is uh, the tone of Psalm 22 from about the midway point onwards. This is the psalm that Jesus had in his mind when he was dying on a cross. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. That is the psalm that Jesus had in his mind when he was crucified. A psalm that begins as a psalm of defeat and ends as a psalm of victory and praise. When Jesus died, the earth shook, the rocks split and the tombs opened. Uh, the, the, the tombs breaking open is a symbolic reference that through Jesus, not even death is final. Resurrection life is now possible, not just for Jesus, but for all who belong to him, for all who will put their faith and their trust in him. We then read about Joseph of Arimathea a rich man who was a disciple of Jesus. And, and Joseph's cameo, his appearance uh, in this narrative, is a reminder that there's actually a lot going on behind the scenes that the Gospels don't tell us. Joseph of Arimathea is not mentioned elsewhere. But we know uh, that he went to Pontius Pilate and he asked for Jesus' body. And that was a very risky thing to do. From historical uh, other historical sources, we know that Pilate was a brutal tyrant. He was anything but approachable. And asking for Jesus' body, well, that would have infuriated and enraged the Jewish religious leaders, the Sanhedrin. Joseph was taking a big risk, and he did it. He took that risk at the point when Jesus' life and mission looked to have ended in complete failure. So instead of Jesus' body being thrown in a trench, which is what would normally happen to uh, someone who had been crucified, his body was placed in a tomb. His body was honoured. And a large stone was rolled across the entrance and at the as insistence of the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders, they sealed the tomb and they posted a guard. It seemed so final. It seemed so final. But if that was the end of it, we wouldn't be here today. Nor would we have the resurrection hope that we're going to celebrate on Easter Sunday. Jesus died. Our old sinful nature died. 
Jesus rose from the dead. And that gives us the assurance that when Jesus returns to make all things new at the end of the age, all those in Christ will be raised to new life, to live forever with God in a renewed and restored creation. This is a wonderful message of Easter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we contemplate the events of Good Friday, it seems depressing, it seems final, but it's not. We know that on Easter Sunday we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of your son Jesus. And we pray that today we can take on board just how personal this is, that Jesus died for each and every one of us. We pray that you will fill our hearts with love and gratitude and that we will live lives of service and obedience to you. Father, fill us today with your Holy Spirit and help us to see these events in a new light. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.